0: Hello and welcome to another episode of Dawncast. I'm Dai Lee And I'm Cathy No. And today we've got an awesome, an awesome young woman joining us. Her name is Lisa Tay. Hi, Lisa. Welcome. Hi, thank you for having me. I love that you said young woman. Yeah, very young. Good. Yeah. <laughs> Hip and young woman. Uh, Lisa runs Cody Agency. Now they create content, manage social media and influencers campaigns, anything digital. Is that right, Lisa?
1: Yes, yeah, pretty lucky. It's a bit of a fun job, I must say. Uh, Very different to the industry I started off in, which is tax, which was quite boring. Oh, (laughs) Oh. and you also do a lot
2: of things in fashion, don't you? Fashion, beauty and yes. all that Yeah, fashion, stuff.
1: beauty, lifestyle. We also work with uh, businesses, especially for LinkedIn. I'm obsessed with LinkedIn, unhealthily obsessed, <laughs> but it's an incredible platform. So I've recently, uh, well, probably in the past year or so, really immersed myself on that platform and it's been incredible for me. So I'm super excited to talk a little bit about that today.
0: Yeah, I would love to hear more about that in a minute. Um, but I believe you've got a... Initially, a very women-led team, but now you, I believe, you've got a very diverse team at Cody Agency. Uh, was that your intention? You know, to go uh, to have a very diverse team at Cody Agency.
1: Absolutely. And, you know, I came from an industry which is very corporate, so it's very male-dominated. Like, I I worked at one of the big four accounting firms, and I remember looking up at the partners and just going, oh, there's like one female, one or two female partners out of about 40. And for me, that was really, uh, I guess, demoralizing because you look up and you go, well, there's no one really to aspire to. So, for me, when I was creating the agency, I wanted to create a place where anyone was welcome, but also, You know, with digital marketing, the interesting thing is it's changing so quickly. So even if you study marketing at uh, school or uni, it's going to be different by the time you actually get out and join the workforce. So really when I'm hiring, I look for people who are hungry, who show initiative to learn, who are excited because the, you know, the platforms are changing daily almost. So if you don't have that drive to actually be excited to learn and, uh, find out what's happening in the platforms, you're just going to fall behind. So, you know, I don't necessarily think you need that experience, uh, to actually work in in the field um, that we work in,
0: so you just have to be hungry, hungry for, you know, to make a difference, or hungry, you know, starving, to tell, so starving, I say. starving, <laughs> okay. almost like yeah. nothing, like you know, out there begging.
2: But always yeah, curious it's, it's to seriously. learn, right? Yeah. Curious to learn because, like, yeah, you're right. Um, Instagram just introduced something. Um, what was it called? Reels, reels, reels. Yeah, for reels.
0: I, I, <laughs> for real, real. I don't, I'm not a real person. I checked it out. It's not real for me. Yeah. Sorry, it's, but they're um,
2: always changing. So it's like um, you got to keep up. And uh, you're right about like the marketing degrees back in the days. Like oh I, God. I work, I've worked with a lot of marketing professionals who are still kind of stuck in that those olden days where it's like it's all about print media. Mm. It's changed now. You need to know digital marketing. And what amazes me now is that anyone can learn digital marketing. Yeah, mom, cousin, mm. everyone, and it's 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 pretty amazing. So, yeah. um, uh, how how did you go from you said tax? Oh yeah, tax from tax. <laughs> Why did you get into tax? <laughs> yes, I bet you. You wanted to make t- tax sexy, right? With all your clothes, like. Hello.
1: <laughs> Yeah, That's look, I, I did actually uh, want to have a personality when I was in tax, but it's really easy to become a target when you don't fit in with what everyone else is wearing. So I did find it a little bit challenging because I always saw fashion as a way to express my personality. And I think in corporate, people don't want people who are different. They really just want someone who's going to fit in and just get the work done. So it wasn't exactly the best place to be yourself, I would say. But, uh, and maybe it's different now. Hopefully it's different now. But look, I'm not going to even lie, I like it came from a, a background where you know, I had conservative Asian parents, and they weren't on board for my um, goals and aspirations to become a fashion designer. Uh, probably a good thing since I can barely sew. Um, <laughs> but, but I, uh, <laughs> I started a fashion, beauty, and lifestyle website in 2011, which is showing my age. And I that mean, actually don't worry about age, <laughs> <I>
2: mean, <laughs> You don't know what age is.
1: <laughs> so i like, uh, I feel like I've aged about like 10 years in Corona. But I think the benefit of um, Asian genes is no one can tell how old I am. they want to see if I'm really young. I'm like, no, guys, I'm really old. Don't tell (laughs) anyone. But that allowed me to transition into uh, working at Witchery, which is their marketing team. And then I ended up signing the agency about five years ago. So managed to get that transition out. But, you know, I have to say that, Having a career in corporate to begin with really taught me a lot about, you know, the importance of branding, how to deal with different stakeholders, how to project manage things. So, yeah, not not that, look, I'll be honest with you, I'm not a very process driven person after all that. I think I've rebelled <laughs> after <the laughs> years yeah. and Structure. years of like, play this process. Yeah. So my, my head of Ops Lana is probably just like, yep, yeah, absolutely agrees with that. I struggle to follow process. I'm doing my best. But, uh, but yeah, it's interesting because you learn, you definitely learn a lot um, from working in corporate. So I don't regret that, that time at all.
0: Mm. How did you, um, what was it that um, made you uh, go out, uh, leave the tax uh, in very corporate world to set up Cody Agency?
1: Good question. So, I actually refuse to believe that you should spend your life just waiting to retire. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Crunching the numbers. (laughs) Yeah. Honestly, like people, and I moved to the tax office and people were counting down to retirement. So, for me, I'm very, it sounds cliche, but I'm very driven by the desire to be happy and actually enjoy what I do. So, at the moment, I doesn't, doesn't feel like work, which is a dream. So I always felt like, you know, there's got to be something more out there where I'm not just counting down to five o'clock every day. So I was lucky enough to find that. And I feel very fortunate that I found that because it's not a guarantee, you know, you're not always going to be able to find something that you love to do every day. So I do feel fortunate. And that's what gave me the courage to to actually leave, uh, you know, a pretty safe corporate job and move into something a little bit different, but yeah, I, I really do feel like if you can follow your passion, like the money will generally come because you're willing to work so much harder. So yeah, so I think for me, that was that that uh, I guess passion for what I was doing it really gave me that that um, I guess the boost that I needed to get out.
2: So you moved from tax to digital marketing. Um, which may seem for some people like a very completely different industry. Like um, why, why didn't you perhaps well, – for some people, if they wanted to learn about digital marketing or whatever, they would work for someone to – or be in that function. But it sounds as though you actually were like, oh, I'll just start my own agency. <laughs>
1: How did that come about? in hindsight i think it's almost like what you don't know about running your own business is benefit yeah because <laughs> if you knew everything you just wouldn't because there's just so much that can go wrong at any given time and it's really hard you know i think people glamorize it a lot but god damn it's tough like oh, yeah. and, you know we're living through a pandemic now we like oh, why did I do this again? (laughs) Because it's definitely challenging. But, uh, you know, for me, actually, I think I sort of accidentally fell into running a company. um, And I always sort of say that and I would 100% say I'm not a good manager. Like I'm not, I didn't even think I'm good at at running a business. You know, what I do love is helping people. So I feel like that's Uh, you know, got me to where I am, just that desire to want to help people, like whether it's in the business, develop and learn, or whether it's people, you know, our clients achieving their objectives. But that's something that's always driven me. Uh, But God, I look at A lot of other business owners and i think i wish i was able to have those hard conversations i wish i was able to do xyz because i do feel like there's so much i need to learn as uh, a manager or as a leader and it's it's really hard when it's not necessarily in your personality type like I'm a real softy. So (laughs) when I'm going to have a hard conversation with people, I'm like, procrastinate on this as long as I possibly can. And the conversations are never that bad, but you just build it up in your head, you know, and you just think, oh God, like it's going to be bad. They're going to get upset. They're going to get angry. And then you sort of just have it and you're like, okay, just move on. But you know, it's something that I'm always trying to work on, but you know, at the same time as well, like I know what my strengths are and I'm really fortunate to work in a company where my team really uh, you know we try and breed a culture of accepting everyone for their strengths you know and we focus on people's strengths rather than focus too much on their weaknesses so that's something that i've really tried hard to um, create a culture around because i think that it's really easy to get someone from you know good to great but it's a much longer journey getting someone from average to great so it's like why would you spend so long in the hope that they might eventually get to great? So, you know, I think for me it's just going, okay, it's like aces in their places. Like you put people where they're really good at and if they're not good at something, then you get someone else to come along. Like I'm horrendous with process. Like I'm never going to be the one to be pioneering processes but my head of ops is a gun at that. So she manages that with the team. So I can just think of new ideas. I can do BD, which is what I love, and then someone else can take care of the all the things numerous things that I'm bad at. Yeah.
0: The nitty gritty. You, you mentioned, you know, uh, having Asian parents. Uh, I mean, we, we all have those Asian parents uh, I uh, Asian and parents. Uh, uh, I Asian, Asian parents, yeah. I think unless my unless I have a different father. Or <laughs> uh, and the ex- Relatable. Yeah, and, and the expectations of you know, obviously, you know, you you obviously working in a tax space, that was a very secure job. What was it like then when you made a decision to step out of a secure job into the unknown? How prepared were you um, to set up your business uh, and what were the risks, you know, that you had to weigh up to do that?
1: Yeah, look, I always – and I say this to so many people who are looking to make the transition. It's like, you know, worst-case scenario, I thought I can just go back to working in – law or tax or whatever it is. So, and I say to these people, because, you know, they might be working in an accounting firm or a law firm. I say, look, worst case scenario, you just go back to doing what you're doing now. And then they say, oh, yeah, yeah, good point. And then I go, so you're currently living your worst case scenario. So I'm like, that's not great <laughs> when you think about it. So for me, I was always you know, I guess, like I, I, I'm someone who really just jumps into things. I don't, I don't overthink things at all. Uh, I wouldn't even say I had a, we had a business plan to be honest when we, when we launched, as bad as that sounds. Because uh, I find that if you overthink things, then you'll talk yourself out of it. Because you'll find a million reasons. Yep, if you're looking true. hard enough, you'll find a million reasons to not do something. Yep. So you know, I'm very much like I'll just go ahead, give it a go, and I'll just work out the rest as I go along. Which isn't necessarily the smartest thing, but for me, it sort of works because I'm not a afraid to fail. I'm not afraid to make mistakes. Uh, what I do want to do is take risks. That's when I feel like you're going to live your best possible life. So, that was something that always really drove me. Do my parents understand what I'm doing now? Absolutely not. I <laughs> <think they're> like <laughs> That's relatable. Yeah, that's relatable. <laughs> yeah, very confused. Don't know what the Facebook is still. Don't know what the Zoom is. Um, they were so cute the other day because we were doing a a Zoom live stream with some MasterChef contestants for a food charity, and then I go to my parents the next day. I'm like, oh, I send them the link and stuff, and, I, and they I go, did you watch? The, did you watch the Zoom? And they go, and my mom goes, yeah, I tried to check on Channel Seven and Channel Nine when you guys were on on TV, but I couldn't see you. Was it still on last night? And I was like, oh, don't worry. Like at least you checked. <laughs> like at least you tried. Uh, but my my brother's um he's super intelligent he's like one of the smartest people I know and he works for a management consulting company like one of the biggest in the world so they really understand what he does and for for me it's almost like it probably takes the pressure off for me because they're like we have one child following the Asian um the preferred Asian career path and then you have me just like they're just like I don't even know what she's doing as long as she's not on the street it's fine like she's obviously yeah as long as she's okay she can pay the bills and it's okay yeah
2: yeah (laughs) Um, So, you've got some pretty major big accounts and how did you get there? Like, I know that there's a lot of digital marketing agencies out there. Like, I feel as though they're emailing every day, kind of reaching out for business. Yeah. um, What makes you different and how did you get all these accounts
1: yeah, that, that's, that's a great question because it's hard. And I think especially in this current climate, it's really challenging. And, you know, I think uh, we, like we've been in the industry for a while. So since 2011, pretty much like I was, yeah, I, I guess I think I've been living and breathing digital for about 10 years. So I think the fact that we actually, uh, or at least I'm on the platforms that we're promoting makes a massive difference because then people go, they really get it. Because a lot of people in marketing roles don't have time to even know what's going on on the platform. So, really, that's the job of agencies to do that. So, part of, I think, you know, if you want big clients, you've got to be on the platforms and living and breathing them and posting. So, for LinkedIn, for example, I post pretty much every single day. So, if there's a change in the algorithm, I will see it. If there's a change on the platform, I will see it. And then I'll let our clients know. So, you know i would actually look at a lot of other agency um, you know agencies out there and i can tell you right now a lot of their owners wouldn't be on social they wouldn't be posting regularly they wouldn't even have an account so i'm like how can you tell people that it's essential if you're not even doing it for yourself and how are you supposed to Keep your customers up to date with your, with the latest change of the platform. If you're not even on it, like you can't rely on just the the blogs that the platforms update. You need to literally be on there all the time, seeing where the opportunities are.
2: Yeah, and that's a really good point because yes, there's a lot of agencies out there, but they don't walk the talk. They don't live and breathe it. And then yeah. for you on social media, you're everywhere. But you, um, there's this positivity about it, and. In business, people buy into people, right? They don't,
1: yeah. Yeah, look, that's, yeah, you're 100% right because, you know, we talk about B2C marketing and B2B marketing, but even B2B, you're still marketing to people at the end of the day. It's not just a a faceless corporation that you're dealing with. It's actually still a person. So if you just communicate as a person, then you're going to get a lot more cut through. And to be honest with you, you know, when I – like, you know, I'm definitely not a typical corporate person. Uh, like you've seen the way I dress on LinkedIn. Like that's that would sound like a sore thumb in most um, corporate environments. And when I was in corporate, I was very scared to show my personality because I thought no one's going to take me seriously at all. And, you know, if you follow my content on LinkedIn, you'll see that I like having a bit of a laugh, you know, yeah. like I don't take myself too seriously. Uh, and I was very nervous to post on LinkedIn. I think a lot of people are because yeah. they go, what do I post? Do I even have a right to have a voice? Do I, what, you know, can I even, you know, does it have to be super professional? So for a long time, I never really posted on LinkedIn and I only got active towards the end of last year. And that's because I was like, oh, like no one's really using it like they do say Insta and, and Facebook. They're not generating a lot of content. So I found that, you know, for me to do it, I came from the world of Insta, which is really to be to be blunt with you, it's very filtered, mm. you know. Every Absolutely. every photo is perfectly staged, yes. edited. It's it's not raw at all. And I think it's starting to move towards a bit more real, authentic content, but you know, for the most part, it's very um, curated. Whereas LinkedIn, I found that no one gives a crap. Like no one gives a crap if I'm sitting in some dirty office. No one cares if I'm like, you know, wearing the same thing every day. People just want the message and it's not even how it's delivered. It's more just what the message actually is. So that gave me con- uh, confidence to just go, well, I'm just going to be authentic and be myself. And if, and I'm sure, and I know there are people out there who would go, oh my gosh, she's so annoying. She's posting all the time or oh, she's always so happy or she's is always this and always that. I don't give a shit. Like, yeah. <laughs> to be honest, I'm just like, well, I want to, like you were saying, spread positivity. And if the things that I'm sharing helps one other person, I would feel amazing for that you know and I feel really happy that I might have helped someone in some you know small or big way so that's what really keeps me going and I and to be honest with you I never even realized it could lead to lead generation I just sort of started posting not really even knowing what was going to happen and then all of a sudden I started getting leads uh, like after probably about three months of just consistent posting and I was like oh this is really interesting so I just learned a whole lot about the platform just by being on it and going okay so this is the type of content that does well this is the type of content that maybe doesn't do well this is the mix of business content like technical versus general content so for me it just I learned so much just by doing my own posting but really you know I think for me it's like just believe in yourself and back yourself you know everyone's on their own journey so everyone's got something interesting to say and share
0: so, so as a digital um, you know s- specialist so a- as you were saying you know you 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 are posting content based on you know this is what you want to share and that if there are people who are feeling like oh look she's posting too often or oh, look she's too happy you're saying um, if you are to generate content you need to generate based on what your knowledge what you're passionate about, and that you attract certain numbers and you won't attract others. Is Is that kind of the approach you're taking?
1: Yeah, definitely. Yeah, you've hit like the nail on the head. It's like you've got to be authentic to you because you're not going to please everyone, you know. Like if you go, oh, I've got to try and keep that person happy and this other person, it's like why are you trying to keep all these other people happy? Like, you know, Mm. you're never going to appeal to everyone. Not everyone's going to love your content. I can tell you some of the most popular content creators in the world have a whole lot of people who hate their content, but they don't care. They They just post stuff that is really authentic to them and it sounds really cliche, but honestly, like people can tell when it's genuine and when it's not and even if I sometimes go oh I might record this video and I'll try and record a couple of times I'll go "Mm, no I just I'm not feeling it then I just don't post it because I you know I think people can tell when you don't believe in what you're saying so you know I know that for me it's really important that I don't ever sell out and sacrifice uh, my content because people can really see right through it. And you look at, say, Instagram, it's like you look at all the people that do sponsored content and you're like, I bet you've never used that product before in your life, Mm. Um, you know, So, or you're just getting paid to do that. So I think people are smart. They can see when people are disingenuous and they're not going to engage and that's going to damage that person's brand in the long run. Mm.
0: Um, In in setting up um, Cody Agency um, and – you know, you, you since two thousand and eleven, have there been some really dark moments for you? I mean, you're a very very positive person, and I, I am too. You know, and sometimes people said, "Oh, have you ever felt really?" I said, "I said there've been moments where I'm feeling like really down, like a setback. Yeah, a really big setback, or something happens. Like, has there been some?" dark moments? <laughs> yeah. Be-
1: look, I mean, to be honest with you, for a lot of my tax career, I was depressed, I reckon. Like, I was just – I couldn't get out of bed. I used up all my sick leave within the first half of the year. I'm like, oh, my God, I'm staring down the barrel of no sick leave left and no um, <laughs> no public holidays in Melbourne. I was like, oh, no, this is going to be a really tough slog. So, if from my corporate career, I was definitely very unhappy. And I and I look back and go, oh, I must have been, like, the worst person to, to be around because I was probably super negative. And then when starting a business, it's kind of funny because like I never, I think, I don't think I ever really thought I would ever start a business. So there are times where I go, Ooh, do I know what I'm doing? Like, you know i just think what am i doing right now like am i even doing the right thing and you do doubt yourself um but on the whole it's like i think you just have to keep doing the best you possibly can to overcome that because doubting is is really normal but if you can surround yourself with the right people then you know you're not alone in dealing with all these challenges and and to be to be honest with you over like during corona like i've had like the odd bad day on the whole I'm, I'm a pretty glass half full type person like i'm not gonna yeah. lie yeah but i've had the odd day where i'm like i just feel like crap or i'm like are we even gonna make it through and i'm super lucky because i've just had amazing people around me who are like yeah we're gonna make it it's fine don't stress you know we're gonna get through it so then i think having that reassurance i'm like yeah actually you know what it's gonna be fine but also i think if you have a bad day you're you're allowed to have a bad day. You're a human being. So I think don't be too hard on yourself if you have a bad day. But I think, you know, you've got to snap yourself out of it. Like, you know, maybe – let yourself feel crap for the day, sit in bed, watch bad TV, Eat ice cream, Bridget do whatever Jones. you need to do. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> what, exactly. But then, or Watch that...
2: Bridget Jones' diary. Yeah.
1: yeah, exactly. Exactly right. I'm like, if she can get her shit together, then I definitely can. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> yes. So you
2: mentioned supportive people around you. Now, who are they? Um, and do you also have a lot of mentors and coaches um, with you as well?
1: Not yeah, I love this you, question. But, you know, yeah, I actually love this question because I, I really feel like a lot of business owners um, are isolated and they feel that there's no one who can sympathise with what they're going through. And to be honest with you, a lot of the time people who don't run their own business, um, like they have no idea what it's like and the pressure. So, you know, I was saying during corona people were like, oh, my God, I'm going to lose my job. And I was saying imagine being responsible for, say, like 13 people's jobs. <laughs> like, like I don't, you know, I worry about all of their jobs you know because I need to keep this company going so uh, not to mention all that clients and making sure their businesses are going well so the pressure on business owners is astronomical and but a lot of them I think are very alone and they feel that they can't lean on anyone because they don't understand so having people who run their own business as either mentors or friends or part of your support network is crucial. Uh, So actually one of my um, business partners and I just started a platform called LISNIC, which is L-I-S-N-I-C dot com. And that actually is going to help mentees connect with mentors and mind coaches all around the world. So it's honestly so important to get yourself a mentor. Whether you're looking to accelerate your career or you're wanting to scale your business, you definitely need to find people around you who can help you avoid all the mistakes avoid all the pitfalls avoid wasting time money energy because god knows i've made a ridiculous amount of mistakes but i'm really lucky because i've got people around me who have really supported me through thick and thin and there's just i think the the thing about all of them is like there's just never any judgment so they all really uh you know are just there to support you and they just want you to win and they will or to be happy you know whatever that looks like so I've got um you know my business um my business partner Nick's been amazing my head of ops Lana is just like a a godsend I've got amazing friends in uh you know who run their own business like i want shout out to Mia from Moxie, She's listens to me t- talk about all the, you know, crap that I'm going through all the time. Uh, but, you know, having those people around you is so crucial. And then my, um, my husband is incredible. So he just puts up with all my craziness. So shout out to, to him, <laughs> because he, uh, like, he's almost like that calming uh, force in the relationship, whereas I'm literally, like I say, I'm like a tornado that just comes rushing through with a million ideas. And he's like, you need to just take a step <laughs> <I> and breathe <laughs> for a second. Or, or or even times when I'm like, I feel so overwhelmed. I've got about, you know, I've got like, you know, at the start of um Corona, I was like trying to work my butt off to do lead gen. And a lot of the time when you're a business owner, like you really put a lot of pressure on yourself. So there were days when I was literally having, I would look at my calendar and go, holy shit, I've got like probably eight to 10 meetings every single day back to back because you don't give yourself oh, a break. God, I, I can relate to that. <laughs> I look yeah, at my diary. I'm like, what am I doing? I'm like literally going to kill myself. I don't have time for lunch. And he goes, it was like the simplest piece of advice, but he goes, you know, you can—you con- know you control your calendar. And I was like at the time I was like stressed out and stuff. I was like, that's easy for you to say. You're not yeah. trying to do link generation and blah, blah, blah. And then I was like thinking about it going, Yeah, I actually do. It's like I don't need to force myself to have all these meetings in the one day. I can spread them out, you know. I can have four a day and that gives me time to breathe. So then ever since then I've really tried to take that advice on board and actually not overwhelm myself because, you know, I'm sure you guys have had those days where it's literally like Zoom call, 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 call, and you're just like I haven't even eaten yet. I haven't done any work and it just gets really overwhelming. So I think if you don't watch yourself, you can easily fall into a trap And then just end up, you know, just getting super overwhelmed. And then that leads to stress, anxiety, and just like a whole lot of really bad stuff.
0: Mm -hmm. I mean, you mentioned um, just now in terms of, um, you know, running your business, it's really stressful because a lot of the times you feel quite alone because you kind of thinking is, does anybody understand what's, you know, what you're doing, what you're trying to set up? Was there a moment on that journey in setting up Cody Agency where you felt that that look, I don't know if I can get this going, it it's not, you know, bringing in the revenue that I need to in order for me to grow or whatever. Was there were there those moments along that journey to setting
1: up Cody Agency? Yeah, it's kind of funny because I think, you know, uh, Like I feel like I'm exactly where I'm meant to be doing exactly what I'm doing with who I'm meant to be doing it with. So I've sort of never doubted that this is where I'm meant to be. I think what I've sort of doubted sometimes is if like I make a mistake or we don't do something well, I'm like, oh, shit, Like, if I'm the right person, am I even qualified to lead this business? So I think there's like the odd occasion where I doubt myself, but then, you know, on the whole, it's like I feel so... Like, it's, it's hard to explain, but I just feel like I'm doing, like I'm exactly where I'm meant to be. So there's no doubt that I should be doing this. I think more what I doubt is when I make a mistake, I just go, oh, do I like am I the best person for this job but then I think back and just go there's going to be no one more passionate about this than I am so I just have to be smarter and learn from those mistakes and you know part of with part of listening what we're you know one of our mantras is that you know and there's this quote I'm just going to say by Confucius who knows who it's by but Confucius probably gets a lot of um, quotes (laughs) attributed to him the poor guy's like rolling his grave going I never said that (laughs) Lao Tzu (laughs) Lao Tzu Lao Tzu there's another one Lao Tzu
0: yeah, exactly. what are they? Yeah,
1: yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's like, yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, but it's like you know, a smart man learns from his mistakes, and a wise man learns from the mistakes of others. I think that's I Lao Tzu.
0: Like, I, <laughs> I think that's Lao Tzu. <laughs> yeah,
1: I'll, I'll say him. <laughs> Thanks well. Thanks uh, well. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so I think you know, for me, it's just about trying to where I can learn from the mistakes of others, but also, sh- you know, the fact is I'm human, so I'm going to make mistakes. But what I try and do is then share those mistakes that I've made in the hope that other people can avoid them.
2: Mm. Talking about mistakes, sorry. Oh, we're yeah, gonna mistakes. ask. We're mistakes. gonna ask about um, what. So you love doing lead generation, and for some people, they freak out when they have to like (laughs) do any outreach and in that sort of thing so uh, how do you take no for an answer how do you respond to that because for some people they might have that tenacity and keep kind of like poking at it what's your approach
1: Yeah. Firstly, I have zero shame, which I think definitely helps. If I get rejected, I do not take it personally. Whereas I think, you know, some people go, oh, they said no, and they feel really bad about it. It's like, it's not personal. They probably don't even know you. They're just busy. Or if they don't reply, people take it really personally. So if you're going to do lead generation, you need to get ready for rejection because you're going to get rejected a lot. (laughs) Like that's just, that. that's just sales. Like, you know, it's, it's really honestly, you're going to get rejected a lot. So I think I learned pretty early on, don't take things personally. Um, and also I always ask the question. So if I don't ask the question, then the answer's already no, but then at least if I'm sort of asking someone for something or for a meeting or to appear at a podcast, like, you know, if I don't ask the question, the answer is already no, but at least I'm giving myself a chance to, to get a yes. Now, look, I faced a few no's. Actually, when I got investment into my business, my now business partner said no originally. And he said, oh no, like it's not the right opportunity for me. And then I was like, okay, no worries. Thank you so much for getting back to me. And then I said to him, like I was thinking about it and I was like, oh, like I, I was honest with him, and I said, and in my head I was like, as soon as we started talking, I had this feeling, and it sounds sounds so crazy, but I had this feeling that we meant to do something together. So after he said no, and I'd said thank you, I thought you know what? I've got no shame. I've got no ego. Like, you know, he said no already. So I messaged him and I said, Hey, um, do you mind if we have a quick chat tomorrow? Because I don't, um, you know, I I want you to rethink this. And he goes, yeah, yeah, let's have a chat tomorrow. That's fine. So he had a chat the next day. And I was like, I think you're making a big mistake. And And I'm like, who am I? I don't even know. Um, But I just said, I have this feeling that we're meant to do something together. I would really like you to consider. And at at that time I had nothing to lose because he'd already said no. Mm. And he goes, okay, I'll make an offer. And I was like, cool. And then we started the whole process. But, you know, I've had a lot of people say no before, and I've really just focused on trying to understand why they've said no to things Mm. and then trying to see if I can overcome those no's. Because sometimes, you know, if someone says no, it's, Sometimes it's, it's purely not because of you. It might just be timing or, you know, something like that. But if they say... No, and it's like for a reason that I've not done my job properly to communicate the value, then I'll always go back and say, Hey, I understand that maybe I didn't communicate that we can do XYZ for you and achieve XYZ. So I just wanted to put it back out there. If that's what you're worried about, then you know I'd love to have a chat with you to uh you know allay those concerns or allay those fears. So I think if you get a no, you have to understand why you've gotten that no. And then if you can combat it, then then do your absolute best to do that. And, you know, with sales, it's like really, firstly, it's like a numbers game. There's no doubt about that. But it's also like a don't give up game because a lot of people make, you know, one outreach message and then someone doesn't reply and they just give up, you know. But, you know, I read this quote somewhere that I think the sale, like most most sales are made on like the 12th or something or more um, interaction. It's like very rarely you're going to get one go and then you make a sale straight away. Like that can happen on the odd occasion, but most of the time... You're going to need to build that relationship, show that you're an expert, build the trust, and then close the deal.
0: Mm. Um, you, you were so, so funny because we had another, um, also an interview with um, um, Sam Zeng, who's the founder of um, Curious Thing. And exactly, he's, he, he talked about the same thing about when you get the no's, just re- just focus on what the why of the no's rather yeah. than the no. You know, understanding, yeah. and so therefore, um, you know, understanding that. So therefore, you can either come back or, or, or improve it at the next for the
2: next sale or the next lead. And he did also mention that don't take it personally. Yeah, because it is it's not personal, it's not you, even though it does feel kind of hurt sometimes because yeah. it is a rejection. But then know that put yourself in their shoes. It's just like they've got a business to run. They've got for whatever reason it is, it could not be the right time. Um, so how do you build that um, resilience, I suppose, into,
0: uh, into the individuals, into people who are running their business and trying to get leads or going, going out there trying to sell product or services, and when they get that rejection of saying no, how can we actually build that um, resilience, or that thick skin for them to accept the no" without feeling so hurt?
1: Yeah. And look, it's very hard because people do take it personally. So I think the first step is realizing and you've got to change your mindset. Firstly, expect rejection because it's going to come. It's going to come. Expect rejection. Remember that.
2: <laughs> Have it on your yeah. wall. Expect rejection.
1: <laughs> it's kind of like dating in a way. But, <laughs> um, but yeah, it, it's like, honestly, like it's good. If you're in business development, like Rejection is just a part of sales, like you know. So don't feel disheartened. It's like just actually part of the process. So almost like don't view it as rejection as a bad thing. uh, View it as a way to learn and be better for next time. So like exactly what you were saying. It's like what can I learn from this? What could I learn from that to be better for the next pitch? To be better for the next um, meeting. So. I think changing that mindset about it, it's actually not a negative. It's like a a learning opportunity. So I think that's definitely helped me. Making sure that you don't see it as something personal is huge because – but no, I think as humans, we're so narcissistic that we feel like everything's about us. And like a lot of the time yeah. it's actually not, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, you know, it's like, it's not about you. It's not nothing to do with you, uh, you know, what you said or what you look like necessarily, but you know, for whatever reason, they might've gone a different direction because of their budget or their objectives might have changed. So I think don't necessarily just go, oh, it's me. You know, I think um, if you can just go yeah hey it's not personal it's just business then that's good but this is actually a little bit off topic about oh it's kind of full on sales I was having a win to someone today because we were talking about selling and I just freaking hate it when people never get back to you oh at, you know, yes put in all this time to yes. put in a proposal make times for meetings and it's like just tell me I haven't got it I don't care I just yeah. need the closure yes
0: <laughs> absolutely it's the, it's the communication. Ghosting. Yeah, it's the communi- communication, isn't it? It's just so frustrating when people – you either you either email back and say, listen, I can't do it or just say, yes, I got your e- email but I don't, I'm not interested or, yes, I'll get back to you in about, you know, next week. But at least have that communication across. Just people just don't do it.
1: I know. And it's like it's actually – I don't want to say it's rude but it's like honestly just send me an email and say I'm not interested. I, yeah. I don't care. I don't need a long-winded answer. I just need a let's close oh, this off. Yes. Yeah so I think you got to be prepared for ghosting unfortunately because it's uh It's a real thing in sales. (laughs) Just like dating. Honestly, sales is very much like dating. Oh
2: Gosh. You warm them up, you butter them up and then they just disappear.
1: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, build a relationship. Although, having said that, I've read a couple of books recently. One's called The Challenger Sale and one's called Gap Selling, both amazing books about selling. But one thing they really, uh, you know, that really stood out to me was people don't want a friend. They want an expert. And, you know, for me, building a relationship is really uh, a key part of yeah. how I sell, but really they don't give a crap. Like ideally it'd be great if they liked you as a person and, and happened to get along with you because they would to work with you. But yeah, people really just want you to be able to execute the work. You know, they're not paying you to be their friend or, you know, have a laugh with them. They need you to just be able to actually perform and achieve their objectives. So I think a lot of people that focus on relationship relationship selling really apparently don't perform as well as people who focus on more of that. Um, They call it like challenger-based selling, where it's like you go in and you actually tell people, you know, because a lot of people come in and go, oh, I want to do Instagram management and Facebook and, and this. And I go, well... If your audience that you're targeting isn't on those platforms, why would you focus on them? So sometimes you need to challenge their thoughts and what they want and go, look, really, what's your objectives? And I'll tell you as the expert how to actually achieve them and then guide them that way. But I think they respect you more if you're not just like a yes person and just come in and say, yep, I'll do whatever you want to do. Because more often than not, they're not the experts. That's why they're hiring you. So they need you to tell them, hey, yep, yeah, you should be doing X, Y, Z instead of X, Y, Z, what you think you, should, you, know, you want to do.
0: Oh, it's interesting because I thought that um, in terms of uh, you know marketing or what, whatever leads or wh- whatever relationship, it's about relationship building first, you know, you, mm. you, and, and then executing. But if you, but are you saying that sometimes is better to all to just consider the person for their skills and expertise rather than having a relationship? Is that what is that what um, you're suggesting?
1: Yeah, because at the end of the day, if you are not an expert and you don't deliver, they, it doesn't matter how well you get along with them, they're not going to keep paying you. You know, you might stay on and be friends with them, you know, or they might want to maintain a social relationship, but no one's going to continue paying you money just to be your friend. So if you're not delivering and if you're not actually showing that you're an expert in your field, then you're not going to keep getting that work because they're like, well, what am I paying you for? Yeah, you're a, you're a nice person. But, you know, at the end of the day, you're not getting me the results that I need to. So they'll end the retainer or, or not continue on with the project. So I always thought, you know, that I was very much down that relationship path. But then when I reflect back on the way I sell, I actually just go in there and tell them what I think they should be doing. And, you know, I think that's very much down that challenger mentality where it's like, you know, I fully respect what you're saying and understand it, but your audience is clearly on a different platform. So you should be doing X, Y, Z instead. And I, and I feel that a lot of people these days, you know, as long as you don't, you're not saying it in a disrespectful way, they really appreciate that honesty. And I always say to people, you know, if you, like I always say, I'm always going to be honest with you. And if you can't, if you don't want that, then I'm not the right, we're not the right fit for you because I don't want to be someone who's just going, yeah, I'll take your money. I'll do whatever you want to do. That's like, it's not honest. You know, I think that's actually dishonest, but, but, you know, there are some people where they can't take feedback. And so I just automatically, if I smell an ego, either when I'm doing an interview or whether I'm, you know, meeting a potential lead, if I smell any sort of ego, I'm just like, this is not going to work because I can't give you feedback because I'm all for feedback. Like I, you know, if you ask anyone in my team, I hope that they would say, yep, anyone can give me feedback, you know? Um, so I'm very much open for feedback, but also I want to be able to give feedback because I know it's going to get them the best results. I don't want to come across an ego. Who's going to be like, Oh, well, you know, I should, you know, I'm right. Cause I'm the client. It's like, that's not always the best outcome. Mm.
0: Um, the uh, just I wanted to touch upon mental health now. Um, the reason I reached out to you was uh, seeing that comment around mental health and you're talking about how so important it is um, today, in particular with the whole COVID-19, the impact of that on mental health. And I thought, oh my God, that is such an important issue because I've been very much uh, on that, um, also uh, d- driving that conversation around mental health around COVID-19. Now, what I want to put to you is that you know, working in the you know digital marketing, social media, that social platform of influencing, um, there's a lot of that uh, you know the, the the image and the uh, that you're projecting as well out there using te- uh, digital technology or digital storytelling. It's to always present this great-looking, beautiful product or beautiful person. Do you think that what uh, that in that industry is also contributing to some aspect to the increasing um, numbers of people, especially young people as well, in terms of the growth of mental health um, amongst young people and, and women as well? Do you mean mental health issues? Mental or? health issues, sorry, okay. yeah.
1: A (laughs) hundred percent, and I'm absolutely (laughs) guilty of contributing to that. And that's you know a reason why on my LinkedIn platform, I do want to be very transparent. Like if I have a bad day, like I'll actually say I had a bad day, um, or I'm struggling with this, or I'm not doing well, or I'm seeing a therapist, or you know I talk about mental health because you're right. How many times have you seen something on you know uh, social and you go wow? Like uh, you know when I went on TikTok, I was like. Um, why are there so many attractive people in the world? Like I suddenly feel like a massive slug. I've been in isolation. I haven't put a fake tan on for about bloody six months and I'm looking super pale and I've aged about 10 years. Hey, How is look, everyone look looking amazing. so good in isolation? You look
0: amazing. What are you talking about? <laughs> no, you're too kind. Is that what happens when you're in isolation? You look fantastic, by the way. But anyway... <laughs>
1: Thank you. Look, I do try because it makes me feel better if I put some makeup on and I know it sounds superficial, but if I'm out of my PJs and I have, and I do my hair and I do my makeup, I feel good. Like I feel like, yep, I'm going to take on the day. Whereas if I'm in my PJs, goddamn, I'm probably not going to do anything. Like I'll probably just stay in bed with the electric blanket on. Uh, But yeah, look, definitely it's so easy to compare yourself to people, you know, and even like sometimes now, like, and I don't even know, while well, I was thinking this, but I've been back on Instagram a lot more and I go, wow, a lot of brands are really showing women with stretch marks. And I was like, finally, like, you know, mm. cause you just sort of think it's not normal to, you know, like you just think, oh, I've got stretch marks. And it's like, you look at now a lot of brands are just posting or even influencers are posting content where you see stretch marks. I'm like, I feel like everyone has them and I'm like, this is so normal. Where has this been the whole time? So I think hopefully there's a bit more of a movement towards that. And then I do feel like Corona has really uh, encouraged a lot more people to be open about their mental health challenges, which is really fantastic. So I think that's one of the biggest, I think, benefits to come out of Corona. But, you know, for me, I have to admit, like, I I started seeing a therapist last year and I was really nervous to tell people because I just thought, are people going to think I'm crazy? Are people even going to want to work with me? Because they'll go, oh, she's, you know, she's mentally weak or she's, you know, crazy person. So I think there's still that um, stigma. And then I started telling people and they would either go, oh, I see a therapist too. And I'm like, you? You see a therapist? <laughs> and then I was like, I come you never said anything? And I think people are very nervous. Or then the other people, you know, the other side of the coin, people, would go oh I've been thinking of seeing one yes, what do you think that's me yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm thinking, yeah. I'm and, gonna see one. <laughs> I, yeah but it's great and I can honestly say I would not have gotten through corona if I hadn't been focused on building my mental strength and I was having this chat with someone today and I and I was saying why are we so um comfortable saying I've got you know I'm feeling really unfit like, you know, I'm physically like out of shape, I'm struggling, I've been lazy exercise, but we're really not okay saying I'm mentally like struggling. Like it's so bizarre, you know, and I just think that that whole conversation has to change. So I've been really open about my journey, my struggles, the things that I'm actively doing, and the number of people that message me privately to say, hey, thank you for, trying to help normalize this conversation because I'm struggling with my mental health and I haven't felt comfortable telling people. And I'm like, isn't it crazy how you're telling me who's a total stranger, yet you can't tell your closest friends. I'm like, that's a massive problem because, you know, you need to have that regular support and you need people to regularly understand what's happening. And there'll be days where I just go, oh, I don't want to see anyone, you know, or, you know, sometimes I will get that social anxiety where I'm supposed to go out and, and, Only more recently I've said, hey, I actually don't feel great. Like I just need like a mental health day or is it okay if we take a rain check? Whereas in the past I would have tried to think of an excuse and I think a lot of people now are just going, oh, yeah, no, sure, I really understand, thanks for sharing that. So I think the more we can normalise the conversation – you know, and I think I've got a small platform, but I want to use it for good. And I want to actually keep the conversation going around important topics, you know, because I look at Instagram and I always say, God, there's really not a lot of value on on my, on my profile on Instagram. It's literally me in dresses. Uh, so for LinkedIn, I've like really taken an active, um, you know, or, or an active approach to spread awareness about things that are really important. So, you know, like but you'll find a lot more value hopefully on LinkedIn.
0: Yeah, <laughs> but especially as well I think for people of culturally and linguistically diverse backgrounds, um, the issue of mental health is something that is such a t- taboo subject mm. um, to talk, talk about it. it. We don't want to talk about it um, and so I think for people you know, my generation, your young generation, and your generation—I think we're different generations—that we're able to now access um, or, or talk about the fact that there is a mental health issue. You know, you get stressed, you get depressed. Um, in the past, you're supposed to be very stoic. Yeah, put on an act. Yeah, I mean, I, I believe in stoicism, but uh, <laughs> but there are moments we think, "Oh my God, how much am I going to maintain this front of being strong?" But I think it's very important um, for you know, people like us um, to talk so that other younger Asian Australians can actually find um, the, the space to actually talk about it as well.
1: Oh, definitely. Like, I look at my parents' generation, like, you would never say that you're struggling mentally. No, and yeah. they've gone, you know, they've gone through some tough things. But, you know, I remember when I told them that I was seeing a therapist, they were like, is everything okay? I'm like, yeah, I'm great. Like, I'm just working on my mental health. Like, I want to be st- as strong as I possibly can. You know, if I was saying to them, I'm seeing a PT, yeah. they'll just be like, okay, no worries, you know. Yeah. Um, you know, do you really need to spend that money? (laughs) Probably. (laughs) they have been conservative uh, Asians, but, you know, they wouldn't question it, uh, you know, for like, why are you doing that? But yet, you know, they were really worried when I told them I was seeing a therapist, and I just said to them, "No, I'm. I want to be mentally stronger." And you know, even with Listnick, uh, you know, we not only have people um, being able to connect with mentors, like business mentors, but we have the ability for them to find a mind coach, which is a therapist or a psychologist. And for me, it's like you know, whether you're trying to accelerate your career or you're trying to build a business, if you're not mentally strong, you are really going to struggle because it's hard out there I mean look how many people are struggling through the pandemic like it's super challenging yeah so I just think thank god I was working on my mental strength before going into corona because that's really helped me now be not only stronger but be aware of when I'm starting to really struggle you know if I do find that I'm getting really overwhelmed I know the signs and I know what I need to do to address them before it you know it, it becomes something much bigger
0: so what's the message, do you think, in terms of mental health for, um, you know, for people? But I, I would like, obviously, for people of, um, cu- you know, culturally and linguistic diverse
2: or, background. Or people who have very conservative strict Asian Asian parents parents. yeah
1: (laughs) (laughs) yeah I think a lot of the time you have to educate them because you you have to make them and look I'll be honest with you a lot of the time like you're not going to change them you know they probably won't ever understand it because it just isn't part of the way they grew up and for a long time I tried to you know I really was focused around that and I almost wanted to try and change them and my therapist is like they are who they are so just Like, don't expect them to be anything different you know if they happen to change then that's a bonus but I think explain your position where you're coming from and then if they can understand it and you can move closer towards a a middle ground and that's positive, but you know, you have to do what's right for you. Even if they don't agree with it, it's your life at the end of the day. So if you want to choose to invest your time into therapy, then a hundred percent do it. And for me, it's been the, one of the best things I've ever done in my life because I feel like now I can, you know, and therapy is really just giving you the tools to face any challenges life throws at you. Like it shows you how to deal with anxiety, depression, stress, uh, you know, being overworked, you know, communication problems. Like I I can honestly say there is not a single person out there who wouldn't benefit from seeing someone to talk about stuff. Um, and you know, I really feel like if it's something that people have thought about, then definitely don't feel like if they want to not tell people, then that's totally fine. But if you thought about it, then definitely do it because it's it's, it will make the biggest difference in your life. Like you'll just be able to tackle things uh, so much, so much better and you will be so much stronger for it, which means you'll be a lot happier. Mm.
2: So Lisa, what's, um, what's next for you?
1: Oh, good question. <laughs> I love keeping busy. So I don't like doing nothing because I find that I just get up to, into trouble. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I just, I need to be busy all the time. Uh, So for me at the moment, uh, at Cody, we're growing, which is great. So, you know, and I've said to people, like, I'm sick of just saying I'm surviving Corona. Like, I'm ready to thrive and take our business to the next level. So I'm ready for that. And then we're gearing up for the launch of Listnik, which is going to be, I think, uh, hopefully in a couple of months. So we're building out the platform at the moment. And then what we're doing as part of that is, We've got a podcast where we're interviewing authors from all around the world, talking about the types of um, you know challenges that they've had, uh, seeing how they're going through ISO, um, understanding a bit more about you know the topic of um, expertise they're in. So we actually just interviewed the author, of Rich Dad Poor Dad, um, Robert, Robert Kiyosaki. Mean,
0: yeah,
1: yeah, he was crazy. <laughs> Love him. <I> really, <laughs> am. he was totally different to what I was expecting. I was like, this is going to be pretty boring. And he was an absolute crack up. So, he was great. We've got um, an interview coming out with the co-founder of Netflix, Mark Randolph. So, um, Nick, my business partner and I have interviewed him before and he's amazing. Like, really great guy. If you haven't read his book, that will never work. I think that would actually help a lot of you guys out there uh, who are who are looking to start a business but they hear a lot of the time, oh, that's a stupid idea. Oh, that, that's never going to work. Like, you know, because he heard that for them Netflix and it's like it's now one of the biggest companies in the world so you know he really talks about the the fact that yeah even though other people might not get your idea no one's ever going to know if something's going to work unless you give it a go so you know just to have that belief to back yourself well so I really yeah like
0: that. well well our our idea of setting up this uh for me is setting up an online so dawn is an online media whereby i feel that the media industry here in australia is not very representative is really um, uh, not diverse enough, not diverse perspectives, voices and faces. So here I'm um, trying to set up this online media. People mm-hmm. say, oh, it's not going to work. So thank you for sharing that because I think that gives, gives us some hope. Yeah,
2: we can't be for everyone. No. <laughs> so, <yeah. laughs>
1: that's the thing. Like I can tell you right now, I would love something like that because even, you know, my um, husband isn't Asian, but like, you know, say when we're watching TV shows, I'm like, there's literally no Asian representation on any of these shows in America. Australia is a whole nother, like, you know, challenge. I go, seriously? Like, why is there literally no Asian or no Indian or, you know, someone other than a white Australian? Like, you look around, like, we're supposed to be one of the most multicultural countries in the world and the media is – that's a whole other story. Yes. But the media is so bad in Australia. It's so whitewashed. And it's like, it's got to stop because you're actually doing yourself a disservice because you'll have people like myself who go, Oh, like I look around in the media and I go, This is like, you know, a, a classic example reality TV. It's oh, like, yeah. I can't even think of a contestant that was Asian. Yeah. Like, I can't even think of one. Well, Master I Chef, was-
0: Master Chef, <laughs> apparently, Master Chef, there were a lot of Asians. But other than Master Chef cooking food, other yeah. than that,
1: Nah. Home in a way. That, that's true. Use. That's actually true. MasterChef did a good job for diversity, but if you look at all the other, the all yeah. the other, um, like they'll have maybe one token person yes. of color, but it's like come on, we need to be better than that right now, you know. So like, That's what we're
0: trying to yeah. do, Lisa. That's what we're trying to do.
1: i You're coming in at a great time, you know, like with the whole Black Lives Matter movement, people like finally waking up. And to be honest with you, I thought crazy rich Asians would change things a little bit, but it still hasn't, no, you know. No, like I still look at TV and I just go there's literally no Asian and if an Asian's there, it's like the token nerd. Yeah. I just think, oh, come on, guys, like, you know, like – like, I mean, SBS has done a really good job or Channel 31 because they really paved the way for that diversity. But I'm oh, sorry, that's my dog. <laughs> like, right. like, she's agree. in agreement. Yeah.
0: Jump, jump in, jump in, <laughs> jump in. Get the dog yeah, to yeah, jump
1: in. She, yeah. Oh, yeah, it she's dogs. actually probably loved to. I don't even know. Yeah, she's probably just like, can I come onto the yeah. video? <laughs> she's way cuter than I am. Uh, but, you know, I think good on you guys for doing that because there's a massive need for it and people are just sick of it, you know, yeah. because what does that say for the next generation coming up like exactly. you know oh, I can't see myself in the media because there's no one who's the same ethnicity as me, so i I can't have a career in that, you know yeah,
0: exactly, yeah, so that's what we're trying to shift, but uh it is a very hard a bit interesting to see to read that book um by uh, the the co-founder of Netflix because I'd like to understand how long it took him on
1: that journey.
2: <laughs> apparently it took more yeah. than ten years, isn't it oh really.
1: I was- think it was wild. But the thing is like you're lucky because now he like you know when he was starting out there was not a lot of technology. So all the stuff that we have now, the like, things can go viral really quickly or you can spread your word and and the concept of your business very quickly and you probably have access to a whole lot of talent that are just sitting at home because they're in isolation. Mm-hmm. So for you it's actually probably a perfect time. Um you know the whole landscape's totally changed. And the thing that I would say to you is that Even if this idea doesn't work, then A, it might pivot and be something totally different to what you were thinking or you might then go, okay, I've learned from that. I'm going to try something else. But, you know, you never... I never regret starting something because you learn so much. And I think don't be afraid to change direction if you feel like something's not working or you see another opportunity because things morph and change all the time. And, you know, even when we were thinking about this mentoring platform, it originally started off as us wanting to do something else. And then it morphed into this and who knows, it might change again by the time we launch. But, you know, I think people are scared to change mm-hmm. and like change is honestly, it's inevitable. So yeah, you need to learn to adapt to it. It, and then that's when you're going to succeed uh, quicker in life because you're not pushing against change; you're rolling with it, and you're going with it. Oh,
2: what a what a great ending! I know. <laughs> I, just, I just thought of um, Adele's song "Rolling in the
1: Deep." Yeah, exactly. But seriously, you got to roll with it. Otherwise, if you just try and you know not accept change then you're going to be stuck and you're not going to grow you know so I mean I personally love it uh you know I thrive on change I know not everyone does and I was actually talking to someone the other day and we were saying you know they said what what's one thing you wish that they taught you in school and one of the things that I said was how to deal with change yes because I see a lot of people and they really struggle like when you know the tiniest thing changes they like completely fall to pieces because they have this perception that they're in control of everything so as soon as something feels like it's out of control then the whole world falls apart but you know my therapist is saying we're actually in control of nothing yep. except for our, the way we choose to react to situations Absolutely. so the quicker you can realize that the quicker you realize oh, i'm actually not in control of anything so i just have to keep going and rolling with stuff because otherwise i think people if they feel like they're in control of stuff then the minute something goes wrong they feel like they've totally lost all control and the whole world feels like it's going to fall apart mm. so yeah the, the quicker you can teach yourself to adapt to change then the more successful you'll be
0: thank <gasps> you wise words wise words <laughs> thank you so much lisa you know we are so grateful uh, so for your generosity of time and advice um, and love the conversation, I think we can continue on for, I think it's gone over an hour now. <laughs>
1: <laughs> what? Oh my God, sorry. I really talk a lot. <laughs> <laughs> love
2: it. Love That's good. it. good. Like I didn't even realise the time as well. So yeah. I don't God. want this to stop. <laughs> I know. We can go yeah. on. We
0: can go on. Um, but really, um, like I said, thank you so much from the bottom of our hearts. And we would hope to uh, touch base with you down the track again to see how you progress with Linux. Um um, send us the link to the, the new platform, and we'll share that. Um, we'll uh, normally we we release the conversation about a couple of weeks after um, because we've got others lining up. But thank you so much, and would love to see how we can work together. Uh, and yeah, would love to you know even pick your brain about business and about ideas and things like that. But so thank you.
1: Yeah, thank you so much for giving me the chance to talk on your platform. I feel really honoured and, you know, I always appreciate when people uh, reach out and and want to hear what I have to say because, you know, I've said this actually numerous times, like I don't feel like I'm anyone special. You know, anyone can go out there and achieve their dreams. So if I, you know, can, you know, like I guess leave your listeners with a a parting message, it's like just go out there and believe in yourself because, you know, I'm living proof that you can do whatever you want to do
2: be from a tax accountant to, <laughs> to a, a digital <laughs>
1: media diva. <laughs> I know, and the funny thing is it's like, you know, I just learn from being on the platform. Like I take training sessions on LinkedIn and I feel like, oh my God, how embarrassing. Like I don't feel like I'm qualified, but I'm just on it all the time. And it's quite funny to think that, you know, in at least in the area of digital marketing, you can really just um, be on it all the time and, and become... An expert quite quickly. So, yeah, look, anything's possible, guys. <laughs> Anything is possible. Yes. The difference is you. Anything is yes. possible. The difference is you.
0: <laughs> yes.
1: Pick that as a tattoo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
0: hey, we should. We should. <laughs> uh, thank you very much. That was Lisa Tay from Cody Agency. And uh, you've been listening to Dawncast here. I'm Dai Lee. And I'm Cathy Ngo. Make sure you subscribe to our um, program and uh, click on the bell button below. Mm-hmm.
2: Thanks, everyone, for listening.
0: Bye. Bye Bye-bye.